With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester, the much-awaited Minnesota Vikings episode and very sad state of affairs here. I'm doing something I've never done before. I am recording a podcast all by myself. No guest, no Akiva, no nothing. Um, Akiva has ghosted us at the time when we were supposed to be recording this episode for whatever reason. And and Jerry Chester is uh, is is ducking under the pressure and uh, is not returning uh, his much awaited return for people to give uh, for people to hear what he has to say about the Vikings. And so, um, you know, at the last second, I'm like, listen, we got to post this tomorrow. We're not we're not advancing the Vikings any further up our power rankings than they already are. We have the Vikings at 11. You don't have to tell me this is too high. I know this is way too high. Blame Akiva. Uh, Akiva ranked them higher than I did. As we know, Akiva has been ranking his. Uh, power rankings uh, more on predicted order of standings than um, than actual power rankings, and so he has them all the way up at eleven. Um, and he, you know he has them fourth in the NFC behind only the, the three NFC teams that we obviously haven't done yet, which means he has them ahead of the Lions and Seahawks and and, and, and Giants or whoever else Saints Falcons. Um, you know I, I think it's a reasonable argument to put them ahead of those teams. Although I had uh, the Seahawks ahead of them, I have the Vikings and Lions neck and neck basically. Uh, but then he also has them ahead of a bunch of the AFC teams, um, where you know, which I think is simply a function uh, for Akiva that he thinks that they're going to have a better record, and so that's what he's basing it off of. Um, my take on this team, and you know, I'm going to have to find a way to fill 32 minutes talking by myself, which is going to be hard. Obviously, they are as big a regression candidate as you can possibly have, uh, going 11 to 0 in one score games last year, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ultimately, this team was uh, done in last year all season long, except for magically in the fourth quarters and then ultimately in the playoff game um, through the fourth quarter as well by the defense. The defense was god awful. They brought in Brian Flores to resolve that. I'm a huge Brian Flores fan. I was a huge fan of his in Miami. He got an incredibly raw deal there, and I'm very excited for what he'll do for the Vikings. However, it's going to take more than one year, um, first of all, from a talent perspective. But second of all, I mean, that even you look at Flores' track record himself. 
his first year as the head coach in Miami. And remember, he never called plays before that defensively. He was, I think, a linebackers coach for the Dolphins. His first year in Miami in 2019, the Miami defense under the vaunted Brian Flores defensive coordinator, uh, defensive mind as their head coach. They gave up the most points in the NFL. They had the uh, fifth fewest takeaways. Uh, they were 30th ranked defense in yards, 32nd dead last in the NFL in DVOA. The Dolphins defense in Flores' first season were god-awful. The next season, just in one year, dramatic turnaround. They had the most they had the most takeaways in the NFL. They gave up the sixth fewest points, uh, even by DVOA. They were up to 11th. So Flores is going to create an elite defense here, but it's going to take more than one year, I think. Um, and and as soon as he does it, he'll probably get a head coaching job somewhere else. And so my expectation is their defense sucks this year. Their defense is dramatically improved next year, and then Flores has a new job in 2025 as a head coach somewhere. Um, yeah, so obviously I would love to be wrong. I would love to see the defense turn around immediately. And if they do, I think that would be the avenue for them being a top 10 team or whatever Akiva thinks they are. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen. The secondary was obviously the biggest problem last year. Um, other than Harrison Smith, um, they you know have basically brought everybody. Everybody's new. Byron Murphy uh, is probably a better corner than anyone they had last year. Um, they brought him over from Arizona. He's fine. He's nothing special. He's a fine corner. Uh, Patrick Peterson was you know was getting up there in years, but still had the ability to make a big play from time to time. But but he was their best corner last year. Murphy probably hopefully a little bit of an improvement there. And then after that, it's just question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, Caleb Evans, who was a fourth round rookie last year, who uh, you know looked pretty good when he wasn't uh, getting concussions. He had uh, two or three concussions on the season, significant injuries. Uh, my dad's my, my dad is here, by the way, not on the podcast, but he's in the background of the room and he's holding up three fingers. So I guess Evans had three concussions last year. Um, so yeah, hopefully he stays healthy. Um, and, and but a lot of the you know a lot of the picks that the the previous front office regime made towards the end, especially on the defensive side, have been complete busts. Lewis Seen, the safety who they took, can barely get on the field at all. He's um you know even though he's a first round pick, the uh, and he, out of George, obviously a high profile program. The Viking and the Vikings, I think, traded up to get him at the end of the first round, if I recall correctly. Uh, he he's nowhere near the depth chart. Um. And so it's really the secondary is the biggest concern for this team. Harrison Smith is fine. I think that the Flores uh, defensive system is going to suit Harrison Smith much better. You know, where Harrison Smith, who's, you know, obviously getting up there in years, but is a perennial pro bowler, where he has value is when he's all over the field, when he's, you know, having blitzing, blitzing from the safety position, etc. Last year, he was forced to stay deep all the time. Um, and he was never allowed to blitz and he was never allowed to, you know, come up on the run game either. He wasn't allowed to take advantage of, of sort of his, you know, variety of skills which has made him a good player for a decade hopefully he will be a little bit more unleashed this year but ultimately again it's an old team um excuse me he's old and um you know we're diminishing returns and safety obviously not an ultimately very strong position um anyway um but the biggest takeaway from this team is other than harrison smith who i've just mentioned like four times in 30 seconds and other than kirk cousins who i've yet to mention who's 35 years old and you know the you know the same age as Tannehill and stafford and you know the only quarterback older than those guys is rogers other than those two guys, this is an incredibly young team. And so the Vikings uh, under um, Kwesi, their, their new front office, they, they've had this philosophy almost like the Houston Rockets tried um, uh, for years um, where they're going to they're going to rebuild without having a rebuild. And so they, they want to be able to basically rebuild while still going 500 or, or competing for a playoff spot and then put the next contender together, which is obviously very difficult to do. If you can do it, it's very impressive. This team is a very it's one of the youngest teams in the nfl except for quarterback and and then safety and obviously quarterback is the most important position and they have no quarterback under contract next year um no starting quarterback i should say you know fifth fifth round rookie jaron hall maybe you know 
he's a possibility, but I don't think anybody realistically expects him to be a starter next year. So, but for quarterback, this team is a very young team and they're built to compete for many years going forward. And so there's a lot of optimism from that perspective. But um, in terms of this year, the question is, can can Cousins sort of hold them over uh, with this young team? Can the defense improve? Can they compete in a very weak NFC in a pretty bad NFC North and make the playoffs? And look, making the playoffs and losing their first or second playoff game, that's, you know, the best scenario, case scenario for the Vikings for the last 40 years anyway. So that's probably, you know, they're not going to compete for a Super Bowl, but but that would be the hope. In the next year, they'd be, you know, uh, further developed, a lot of these young guys, and they'd be ready to take off, dot, 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 if they have a quarterback. And that's obviously the ultimate question for this team. What are they going to do at quarterback? Are they going to re-sign Cousins? If he has another great year, I guess that's a possibility. But here's the other issue. Like, how are they going to afford him? Because right now, the Vikings' entire wide receiver room uh, is making $19 million. They're paying their wide receivers, I think, like third or fourth fewest in the NFL. Uh, It's Jordan Addison, a first-round rookie. Uh, K.J. Osborne, Justin Jefferson still on his rookie contract. None of these guys are getting any money. Justin Jefferson is going to sign a contract in the next few months the highest non-quarterback contract in the history of the NFL. Aaron Donald's getting paid $32.5 million a year, so Jefferson's going to be making $33 million a year or more. That's going to happen. Um, uh, they also, you know, m- among their other you know, young stud guys, Christian Derrissaw, as good a young left tackle as, th- as there is in the game, he's going to need a huge contract pretty soon. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, who they traded for last year with Detroit, a trade that I really liked at the time. Hawkinson is obviously no tight end is, you know, as a receiver is in the category of Travis Kelsey, and, and, uh, and Hawkinson's obviously not you know anywhere close to, to George Kittle is an all-around t- tight end but after those two guys you can make an argument that Hawkinson is as good as any tight end in the league um, unfortunately he wants to be paid that way he wants to set the market at tight end the same way Jefferson is going to do it not just wide receiver but any position and he's been holding out um, all summer giving a various excuses first he had an ear infection then another injury but it's sort of tongue-in-cheek everybody knows the reason is he wants a new contract they're not going to pay him $17 million a year. It just doesn't make sense, right? Um, and if they don't, by the way, ultimately, does that mean that trade is a loss because you basically got a rental from Detroit for a year and a half uh, for a second-round pick? Maybe. I don't know. Um, at the same time, I think it was the right move to make last year because you know they were in win-now mode. They were Whether they had the the performance to justify it or not they were a double you know they were a dozen win team last year they were going to the playoffs once you get there anything can happen and so adding another weapon i really liked that last year as a move um but ultimately i mean he had a 179 yard game for the vikings down the stretch last year so so he he's a real weapon down the field he's a good blocker he's a great all-around tight end but um if he walks then you know you do have to to wonder whether ultimately that was a good trade or not and i think that there is risk of that because i don't think the vikings can give him 17 million dollars a year you can't be paying 50 million dollars to you know uh, to your top two targets um and then paying 25 30 million dollars to your left tackle and and you don't have a quarterback right like what are you going to do um they're not going to be bad enough this team has never been bad enough to draft at the top i mean they've never had the number one pick in my lifetime and you know i don't see it happening anytime soon and so they're not going to be in that now Maybe they can get creative, right? I mean, the Kirk Cousins, who was, you know, the, the best uh, free agent uh, quarterback available probably, you know, uh, since Drew Brees and, you know, highly unusual that they got him, but they took advantage of that scenario. Maybe there's another scenario. For example, Arizona, obviously they're bottoming out. They're trying to lose all their games this year. They're, they want Caleb Williams, everyone would assume. If that's true, then Kyler Murray becomes available. Kyler Murray, who, you know, the bloom is off the rose. Everyone's turned on him because of, you know, the shenanigans with uh, playing video games or not studying the playbook. But the bottom line is that he showed as a rookie and in his second year as as talent as any young quarterback we've seen. There's a reason that he got and earned that contract, uh, you know. He, he could be a guy who could be on the move and maybe he's a guy the Vikings would target. I don't know. But how are they going to afford that contract on top of all these other contracts? So that's really the concern going forward with this team is 
they have this young team together, but you know, two to fifty-three looks really good. But what about number one? And um, what are they going to do at quarterback beyond this year? And, and but but I'm talking too much about twenty twenty-four in the future. I'm supposed to be previewing the twenty twenty-three Vikings. So so let's come back to twenty twenty-three. Um, last year, uh, notwithstanding the fact that they had all their miraculous fourth-quarter comebacks, and so you know they had the the wins, and for that reason, Cousins was you know in Michael Irvin's MVP ballot or whatever. It was Kirk Cousins' worst season um, in Minnesota statistically. Um, whatever stats you want to use. That was not obviously what was expected when they brought in O'Connell. On the other hand, Kirk Cousins has never had the same play caller for two consecutive years his entire career in Minnesota. Now he finally does. So hopefully an additional offseason will give the opportunity for Cousins to, you know, if not exceed the level that he's ever performed in Minnesota, at least exceed last year and go back to what he was in the previous years under sort of a lesser offensive minds. And if that's the case, then a top 10 offense will be even better than that. Um, Justin Jefferson, best wide receiver in the world. There's nothing more to say about that. Um, Jordan Addison, high hopes there. Look, every single team who drafted a receiver in the first round, all five of them are not going to be pro bowlers. So somebody's going to be wrong. I'm not going to pretend to know enough to say why Addison isn't going to succeed over these other guys, but there's optimism there. He certainly won't be worse than Adam Thielen, who averaged, what is it, 1.1 yards per per route run last year. And by the way, I have nothing, no charts in front of me. You know, for every other episode, I do like one to two hours of research minimum. Um, And for some of these teams, I don't know anything about even more than that. I've done zero research for the Vikings. I don't have any stats in front of me. This is all from the top of my head. So if you want to fact check me, if you want to say I got something slightly wrong, um, you're, you might be correct. Um, but anyways, yes, um, Adam Thielen was old and decrepit and, you know, was was a nice little weapon in the red zone, but ultimately was not really a starting caliber receiver anymore. Somehow he bamboozled the Panthers into paying him $10 million guaranteed. Great for him. I'm happy for him that he got that contract. But Addison should be an upgrade over him. And K.J. Osborne is, you know, a, a, not spectacular, but is a solid third receiver. And then Hawkinson, as I said, one of the best receiving tight ends in the league. So their offensive weaponry is, is very, very good, um, you know, anytime you have Jefferson, you'd want to say elite. Other than Jefferson, they're certainly not elite, but I think Jefferson alone raises them to that level. Uh, they also, one of their biggest free agent acquisitions in the offseason was Josh Oliver, the tight end, which, you know, if you're a fantasy football player, seems curious because Josh Oliver is a tight end who has never done anything statistically. I'm looking last year, he had 14 receptions for 149 yards and two touchdowns, and those were all career highs. What he is, is the best blocking tight end in the NFL. And so they're going to be playing a lot of two tight end because um, when they're trying to run the ball, apparently, because Oliver, uh, while not a receiving weapon, is supposed to be an elite blocker and, and, sh- and should help uh, an offensive line that uh, you know is strong on the outside but weak on the inside. So maybe he can help a little there. Um, and running back, obviously, they let Delvin Cook go uh, in the offseason. I say good riddance. I was upset when they gave him the previous contract that they gave him. I never want to pay any running back under any circumstances uh, uh, fi- uh Eight, wait, how many digits is $10 million? Uh, eight digits. Uh, never pay a running back eight digits. Um, is Alexander Madison fine? Who knows? The, the fact that the Vikings have been bringing in Kareem Hunt and every other like veteran unsigned free agent running back over the last couple of weeks probably doesn't sound like the biggest endorsement of Madison, and so maybe there's a little bit of concern there. Ty Chandler has looked good in the preseason for whatever that's worth, which is very little. Um, but ultimately, listen, running backs are pretty replaceable. I don't really have a major concern there. Uh, it is surprising to me that Delvin Cook, how bad his advanced numbers were last year because he did have a couple of, re- I mean, he had like a 70-yard touchdown run against the Bills uh, that sort of kick-started that comeback. They were down 27-10 at the time. He had the game-tying 60-something yard catch-and-run touchdown against the Colts uh, to tie that, you know, the greatest comeback in history late in the fourth quarter of that game. So he he did flash and have, you know, a few big plays from time to time. 
but the fact that he had those plays and, and the stats still really uh, soured on him showed how much he struggled last year. And that was after he had been excellent for the couple of years before that. So, uh, you know, that's what happens with running backs. You run them into the ground and, and then it's time to move on. So uh, whether it's Madison, whether it's Ty Chandler, whether they sign someone else, whether they trade for Jonathan Taylor, which I can't imagine happening because of the Colts absurd demands at the moment. Um, I'm not too concerned. I think that they'll figure that out one way or another. Um, again, I, I think the receivers, um, if Addison shows anything and, and with Hawkinson, at least this year, I think the receivers are fine. Um, the big concern on this team offensively is the the interior of the offensive line, which is what it's been for a while. Christian Derrissaw, as I said, uh, is as good as any young left tackle in the game. Brian O'Neill, one of the best right tackles in the game as well, both you know Pro Bowl to All Pro caliber. Um, their PFF grades are like 85 plus, very very good. The interior of this line is awful. Ed Ingram, their right guard last year, might have been the worst starting player in the NFL. Uh, it's not just that he had constant false starts and that he couldn't block anybody, but you know he would step on his quarterback's foot multiple times, resulting in in in, in, in self sacks and fumbles. And for that to happen once is embarrassing. For it to happen two or three times is just mind boggling. Uh, and they haven't improved at that position. Ezra Cleveland, the left guard, I, I guess is okay by the standard of their interior line, but he's not very good. And Garrett Bradbury, who uh, sort of a poor man's Daniel Jones in that he went in. The Vikings chose not to exercise his fifth year option last year because he had been so disappointing um, so far at, at, um, since they had drafted him in the first round at the center. Uh, and then he went and had, by his standards, a good enough season that they went and re-signed him. He did have a pretty solid season, but I think that if you look at the track record of the previous couple of years, you realize he sucks, uh, and he has been abused uh, in the uh, in the practices that they've had so far this summer with other teams as well. So it's just it's such a weird offensive line because at the most important, valuable, the most expensive position to tackles, they're really good, but they're so bad in the interior. There's a reason that Kirk Cousins was hit more than any quarterback in the league last year. And uh, for those who watched quarterback, we saw the the how injured he actually was, which we didn't realize at the time, uh, and the significant um, you know work he had to do all week just to get on the field and the padding he had to wear, etc. Say what you will about Cousins, um, but other than missing a, a must-win game in 2020 to the Packers because he refused to get vaccinated and then he got COVID, other than that, he's never missed a game to, to injury, right? He missed a game for COVID. He's never actually missed a game for injury ever. He's, he's extraordinarily durable, even though he's 35 and even though he gets hit more than anyone. So... Obviously, that can turn at any point. Uh, the Vikings had Donovan McNabb once upon a time in his final year of his career, and he was around this age, and he suddenly immediately was worthless. Um, but hopefully uh, hopefully Cousins is not. But, yes, yeah, so I am worried about Cousins getting hit a lot. Um, the interior of the line not holding up, uh, that harming the running game as well. Um, and, and again, I'm just, you know, when we did our, our coach rankings, I was a little bit lower on KOC than I was last year in his debut year because – I, and, and so was Akiva because even though they went 13 and four, the offense, which is supposed to be his specialty, uh, was not actually better than it had been the couple of years previous, uh, other than during miraculous fourth quarters, obviously. Um, and so my, 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 my reason for optimism with the offense is basically that they have another year of KOC. And so the offense should be better than last year. And even last year, again, it was, it was certainly a serviceable offense if inconsistent, right? It was all historically great in the fourth quarter and mediocre the other quarters, but overall it was a pretty good offense. The problem on this team, as I've been saying all along, is the defense. And I'm just, I don't have a lot of reason for confidence here. I, I do, as I said, I love Brian Flores. I think they will be improved. I just don't see how he turns around in year one. They shed a bunch of talent in the offseason. Most of the guys they they got rid of, honestly, were veterans who were more name than game at this point. Um, Zadarius Smith was incredible. He had like three sacks the first game against the Packers. He had 10 sacks at the halfway point. He finished the season with 10 sacks. He did nothing the second half of the season. So, um, you know, he started hot, disappointed down the stretch. And I don't think a huge loss based on how he played the second half of the season. Yeah. Oh, my dad is defending Zadarius Smith saying he was injured last year. Um, 
Yeah, Eric Hendricks, um, you know, a Vikings, you know, who was like an All Pro in 2019, their beloved off-ball linebacker. He again, you know, w- was late on everything and, and and was barely playable last year down the stretch. So like the guys that they cut, they cut for cap reasons, but also they cut because these guys aren't really good anymore. So I don't think that they lost a lot in the guys that they removed on the defense. The problem is who did they replace them with? Other than the aforementioned Byron Murphy, uh, the corner who replaces Patrick Peterson, which I guess is that we keep bringing in corners from Arizona. They didn't really bring in anybody. Um, and so it, it's going to be Daniil Hunter. The question is, can he stay healthy, right? Because here's a guy who I loved to point out two or three years ago had had more sacks through age, what was it, 24, 25, 26 than any, anybody in NFL history. Um, but then he's been injured a lot, right? Last year, uh, or two years ago, he only played. 2020, he misses the whole season. 2021, he played, I think, six or seven games. Last year, his first full season since 2019, and he really struggled in the first half of the season um, when Zedaria Smith was actually playing really well. Um, and I'll, and I also it was a switch for Hunter because he had always been a defensive end and they switched to a 3-4. Um, and so he had to sort of be like a stand-up linebacker, which was a little bit of an adjustment. He really took off the second half of the season. He was really incredible. It almost, if you combine Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter, you had a defensive player of the year performance by one of the Vikings edge rushers last year. The second half of the year, he was elite. He ended up with 10 and a half sacks, I would guess. I'm not looking at his game log. I would guess eight or nine of them were in the in the second half of the season. All right, let me look at the game log. Actually, um, yeah, he had he had one he had one sack in September, two sacks in October, uh, and then um, yeah, and then he had eight sacks um, in the second in uh, in, uh, in November and December. So yeah, he really he really heated up down the stretch, um, and. I'm hopeful that he will be good. He obviously he almost there was talk of them trading him because they couldn't agree to a contract. They did agree to a contract for one year. He might walk after this year. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But and Quasi in general, his goal has been to clear as much cap room as possible. The Vikings have basically no obligations in 2024 and literally none in 2025. Again, they haven't yet signed Jefferson and Darisaw, Hawkinson, all these guys that they have to sign a quarterback. And once they do that, they're not going to have all the cap space they have right now. But as of right now, they've tried to clear the cap. And and as I said stay competitive while they're doing so which is obviously uh, very tough to do is in the nfl but that, that's the goal um so daniel hunter really the only guy on the defensive line um harrison phillips the 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 um who's supposed to be a run stuffer hopefully he's a little bit better than last year him and delvin tomlinson were supposed to be this like dynamic duo in the interior of the line we didn't see that last year and then they just they don't have like the depth that edge rusher that they've had in the past DJ Wanham and Dean Lowry, like, you know, these guys are okay, but but they're nothing special. And so unless Daniel Hunter can get back to his peak level and put up, you know, 16 sacks by himself, which he certainly has the ability and potential to do, and he played like that down the stretch last year, unless he can do that, uh, I don't have a ton of confidence uh, in, 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 the, uh, in the pass rush on this team. And, and then the secondary, we've, uh, you know, I started the podcast that way. So, uh, again, I, I don't have a lot of confidence there either. Um, I think Harrison Smith will be better because they're going to use him in, in a more dynamic way. And I think Byron Murphy should be okay. But all these other guys, Andrew Booth and, and Caleb Evans and, you know, Lewis, like, you know, somebody has to show me something. And they, and they haven't yet. So I think that this defense is going to be in trouble. The saving grace is you look at their division. And the the Bears, as, as I've said on a few podcasts, I think that they have a running back at quarterback. He's he's a awesome and fun guy to watch. He's great for fantasy. I don't think he's a good quarterback, and so I'm not particularly concerned there. You know, he's he, I don't he's never thrown for 300 yards. If you can't even throw for 300 yards against the Vikings when everybody was doing it last year, when when Mike White and Daniel Jones and all these scrubs were doing it, uh, you're not, you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, be a quarterback. So I'm not too concerned about him. Jordan Love, I'm a little concerned with with how much hype is coming out of Green Bay, but ultimately, I and I said this yesterday on the Lions podcast, I'm just I've emotionally convinced myself he's not going to be good because 
if if the Packers go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to another Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, what, what will is there to live anymore as a Vikings fan? Um, and then the Lions, and you know, I, I said this on the yesterday's podcast, so I don't have to repeat myself too much, but I think that. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of regression to their offense. I think they were very lucky in a lot of ways last year. Ben Johnson, obviously a great offensive mind, and they're still okay. But Jared Goff, listen, he had a couple good years for the Rams also. And and then with the genius offensive mind that is Sean McVay and with the elite offensive talent that is – and with Cooper Cup – even with Cooper Cup and Sean McVay, uh, you know, uh, Goff sucked for uh, – after he – you know, he had one and a half strong seasons. Then he was very bad after that. And – you know, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Ben Johnson, whatever you think about them, they're certainly not better than Sean McVay and Cooper Cup. So I think Detroit is not particularly good. I think this division is wide open, and I think that the Vikings, I think they, they, have, an, they have an opportunity to make the playoffs, which is pretty much a coin flip just because of how bad the division is. They should not be ranked 11th. Um, that was not my decision. That was Akiva's. And I don't know what else to say because, again, I, I didn't prepare like I do for all – for every team, I, I, I go out of my way to have enough information so that if the guest is a complete dud, I can talk for at least 30 minutes straight about the team. I do tons of research. I get all my stats. And for the Vikings, part of it because I thought my dad was going to be here and Akiva was going to be here and part of it because of my own arrogance about, uh, you know, oh, I know about, enough about the Vikings. I, I don't need to do any research. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so just to recap, because, yeah, I'm really running out of things to say, and I got eight more minutes at least here. Um, uh, let's let's sort of do best-case, worst-case scenario for this team. So best-case scenario, and I don't even mean, you know, a win-loss performance like last year. I mean, in terms of actual performance on the field, is that um, a KOC, uh, you know, has this offense clicking at an elite level beyond what they were last year and beyond what Cousins has had with, you know, lesser offensive minds in his previous years in Minnesota. Uh, Kirk Cousins, relative to the league, has still never been as good in Minnesota as he was in Washington, even though his weapons in Washington were, were much worse than anything he's had in Minnesota between Diggs and Thielen and, and, um, and Jefferson, et cetera. Um, so if Cousins can, and, and that was obviously under Sean McVay as his offense coordinator. So if he could go back to, um, you know, a Washington era Cousins performance, but with the better weapons that he has here, they can be a top five offense. Uh, Jefferson, Addison shows as a rookie, TJ Hawkinson, the interior of the offensive line, you know, stands up. Bradbury sort of repeats last season. Um, if they can do all that, then they all of a sudden have an elite offense and then the defense the, the best case scenario is that brian flores comes in and immediately turns them around but as i said even though i do believe in him it took him a year in miami so but maybe you know maybe it's the second time running a defense that it takes him one it take he does it a year quicker maybe they become in year one in minnesota what they were what miami was in year two uh, under him and by the way if they if they do that then he'll be a head coach next year somewhere else but again that would be the best case scenario and then if those two things happen uh coupled it with you know the crappy division and, and the, the relatively easy schedule compared to like AFC teams, for example, 
then this team could be competing. You know, San Francisco, who knows what they have at quarterback, and then uh, you know who's there. They could be second to the Eagles in the NFC, and you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Although, you know, when they're the Vikings, we know what what happens in the playoffs. So that's sort of the best case scenario. Or the worst case scenario is well, the worst case is Cousins gets injured. But even beyond that, it's just that that the offense looks like it did last year for the first three quarters and not the fourth fourth quarter. That the interior of the offensive line is terrible. That Jordan Addis, Addison, if not a bust, is you know a, a rookie quarterback with a receiver who struggles. Um, that maybe un- unwilling to pay T.J. Hawkinson a market-setting contract, they 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 flip him halfway through the year, the same way they did with um, um, with Yannick Ngakwe, for example, when they traded for him a couple of years ago, and then traded him middle of the season when they realized they weren't competing that year, and then all of a sudden your offense is nothing but Justin Jefferson being triple covered, and, um, and you know, and then his stats won't be as exciting as they were last year, and then you have to see obnoxious jackasses like in Green Bay doing the gritty when uh, you know it takes three guys to to hold him to a hundred yards or whatever. So that'd be the worst case offensively, and the worst case defensively would just be you know what the Dolphins were their first year with um, with Flores, the thirty second ranked defense in the NFL, a defense that other than Daniel Hunter and Harrison Smith really doesn't have talent and, and shows that it doesn't have talent. So so that's the worst case scenario for this team. Um, and then you know the Viking special teams. The worst case scenario is always you know that they uh, that they muff punts and that they miss field goals. Um, if all that happens, this team could go. I mean, I don't even know how they. I guess the worst case they'd win five or six games. Their division still sucks, and so I think they'd still win five or six. There's just I, I don't see any way for them to truly bottom out the way that they would really need to to be in like the conversation for for one of the elite uh, quarterbacks available in next year's deep draft. So I'll play a schedule game with myself now. Um, I did this earlier. Um, I, I picked every single game um, for the entire season for every single team. We will debut that um, at the end of our 32 fans in 32 days. And um, and I actually said it on the Lions podcast yesterday, although I, I beeped it out so that I wouldn't be spoiling today's podcast. I have the Lions and Vikings both finishing 9-8. and eight, um, And, and um, I don't exactly know how the tiebreakers work, whether the Vikings uh, or, or Lions would win the division there. But I think the 9-8 and eight will be good enough to make a wild card anyway. So I do have the Vikings there. Totals 8.5. I lean ever so slightly to the over, but but not by a huge amount, and um and, and I have them making the playoffs, but again as a coin flip. But let me do it right now because uh, you know that's why they play the game. Every time you play the schedule game, different things might happen. So week one, they face Tampa Bay. Um, you know I, I'm not buying into this mishigas about, about Baker Mayfield's great preseason statistics. Like you know who doesn't have preseason statistics? Actual good quarterbacks uh, because they don't play. So um, I don't buy Tampa Bay at all. Uh, this is a win in week one. Week two. Uh, three days rest to go to Philadelphia on Thursday night. Uh, you know, I almost feel like rest everybody because there's no scenario which they're going to win this game anyways. Uh, week three at home against the Chargers. Last time they played the Chargers, they absolutely destroyed them. Um, you know, the Chargers are sort of the Vikings of the of the AFC, always finding ways to uh, pull a victory, uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. Um yeah, I get, this is a coin flip game. I'll say uh, between this and Carolina in week four, let's say they win one and lose one. So I'll have them two and two. Uh, week five, they face the Chiefs. Uh, we'll make that a loss. So that's two and three. Uh, they go at Chicago in week six. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say that every every team in this division is gonna go three and three in the division. I don't have enough confidence yet to say the Vikings are gonna sweep anybody. So if they lose that one, then they guess they drop two and four. Um, then they face San Francisco. They would drop two and five. Uh, then they go to Green Bay. If I said they're splitting and I'm giving them the home wins, I guess, then they drop to two and six. Uh, my dad's getting very mad here in the background. So I have the Vikings at two and six right now. Uh, they face Atlanta, New Orleans, weeks nine and ten. Uh, I think those teams both suck, as I've said. I think I think that the division winner in the NFC South is going to have a losing record. So they'll win those. They get to four and six. Uh, they go to Denver on Sunday Night Football. I've already said Ohio. I'm on Denver, probably for, wrong for the second year in a row. Fool me twice, shame on me. 
Uh, so four and seven. Then they play they play the Bears. I already gave them a loss to the Bears, so here's a win to the Bears. So that's five and seven. Very very late bye for the Vikings, who I have at five and seven and a big disappointment. Although probably only like a game out of the division at that point. Um, they face the Raiders in week fourteen. Uh, that's not a team that at all concerns me. Um, I'm going to give that a win. So that's six and seven. They play the Bengals in week fifteen, make that a loss, six and eight. And then um, they face the Lions on Christmas Eve, make that a win, seven and eight. The Packers, that's a win, eight and eight. And then at Detroit, I said they're splitting, so that would be eight and nine. So, okay, this time I went eight and nine instead of nine and eight. So this time I have them just under the under. So, and I was a little bit more pessimistic here. I was handing out losses uh, like candies. So, yeah, I think they're about an eight or nine win team. I, I think that, that it's not going to take much more than that to win the NFC North. So I, I really do think that they have a chance to win the NFC North um, and, you know, and then go to the playoffs and host some mediocre. Well, if they win the division, they'd be hosting some mediocre wildcard team. Uh, if they are the mediocre wildcard team themselves, then you know if if you can be if you can be the 6 seed then you can face if you can be the 6 seed or the 5 seed then you can face either Detroit or the bad winner of the NFC South which is great very winnable if uh if you're the 7 seed obviously then you'd have to face presumably San Francisco or Philadelphia in which case that would be a first round loss but um you know the ceiling for this team is basically uh win a first round playoff game and then lose in the second round um, which is, you know, basically what the Vikings have done every year. I've been a fan for 40 years. So, um, but the upside, as I've said before, is they're a very young team other than quarterback. And if they can find a solution at that position, the most important position in sports, I have confidence in this team going forward. But um, for God's sake, please sign Jefferson already so that I, I mean, I know they will, but it's just, you know, it's making me nervous that he's unsigned. Um, you know, it's sort of like the Anthony Edwards thing. I knew they would sign him eventually. Just, you know, I want it done. So I don't have to worry about it. Hawkinson, I really don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they can pay him $17 million a year. I just don't think that makes sense. And so, um, he might be going and yeah, ultimately, listen, the Vikings should not have been number 11 in our power rankings. You should have heard this podcast last week. I apologize for Akiva here. Um, we also made these rankings before we really looked into all the teams. Um, and so, yeah, I think I'm even looking where I had the Vikings ranked and I would, in hindsight, I would put, uh, the Jets above them, I would put the um, the Browns above them. So I would move them down two spots from. I had them thirteen. I'd move them down to fifteen. Um, but listen, everybody in the meaty middle is you know everyone has holes, and I think there's a lot of teams that are sort of replaceable. But there's a huge, huge gap between the Vikings here at number eleven and then the top ten teams. Like the top ten teams that Akiva and I have, we each of them we had them in a different order, but we each had the exact same top ten. Um, and so I think there's definitely a tier break here. Whether you put the Vikings next, like Akiva does, or you put uh, Seattle and Denver next, like I do. Either way, um, there's clearly a, a tier break. And so tomorrow we will get into the top ten, the best teams in the NFL. The teams that can actually be Super Bowl contenders. So very excited to wrap up this 32 fans in 32 days. Apologies that there was no Akiva. Apologies that there was no Jerry Chester. But listen, even when they don't show up, at least you know that you have. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.